Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Joining me today on Trending in just a few minutes will be a young woman who is getting ready to enter into her high school year, junior year of high school, that is. And I'm excited to talk with her and have you be a part of this conversation because we're receiving a unique glimpse into the life of a teenager today and her own unique circumstances as a young woman. And I'm excited for you to hear some of her thoughts on what's happening in the culture, uh, how she's handled social media, the influence of peer pressure, and her involvement in the pro-life movement. I'm broadcasting from the Vox Vitae Catholic Pro-Life Training Program here in Southern California. And we're going to unpack some really exciting news in just a moment regarding abortion. We are at a historic point in history. And I remind us, I remind myself that we were chosen to live today. As difficult as some topics may be in the culture, as bleak as some things may be, God chose us today. I remind myself, God chose us today uh, to be parents. God chose the young people today, such as our daughter, who's just a year and a half, or the teenagers who I'm working with this week. He chose all of us to live at this point in history. And no matter the face, the challenges we will face, the joys we will face, God has chosen us now to live at this point in time. We need to embrace that. Now, the exciting news I'll share with you in just a moment about abortion. This is really exciting. But coming up in just a little bit, I'll talk about the last in our series on the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit, and that will be gentleness. This is actually something that I've prayed for since I was in high school. I've prayed for gentleness and kindness. I've always felt that I have had a little bit of a capacity to be somewhat harsh. And so when I learned about these two of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, it's been something I've prayed for. And so I'll talk about gentleness in just a little bit here on Trending. But I'm very excited to share with you News that broke over the last couple of days. Babies are being saved. Abortion clinics are literally, in some states, no longer taking abortion appointments starting in just a couple days in anticipation of the Supreme Court ruling on the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Court case that is anticipated to overturn Roe versus Wade and therefore leave the decision the decision of whether or not abortion will be legal or illegal, regulated or unregulated to the individual states. Well, one of those states is Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin 
has had a law that has been dormant because of Roe versus Wade that was overruled by Roe versus Wade but is still a state law that as of 1849 they passed an abortion law banning all abortions. Now immediately when Roe versus Wade is overturned as is poison expected by the Supreme Court this law would take effect in the state of Wisconsin immediately outlawing abortion. Now we've already heard that government officials in the state of Wisconsin are saying that they will not uphold this law. However, here's the deal. Planned Parenthood must know that that is not that likely and they are legally culpable because in the state of Planned Parenthood, there are three Planned Parenthood abortion clinics and those three Planned Parenthood abortion clinics have officially announced that they will stop taking abortion appointments and they already have stopped taking abortion appointments June 25th on in just a couple of days here in anticipation of the overturning of Roe versus Wade because the state of Wisconsin is a pro-life state and although the current governor Tony Evers there in Wisconsin is holding a special session actually this week to attempt to eliminate this pro-life law claiming it's archaic and why would we uphold a law that's so ancient just because a law is old doesn't mean that it's irrelevant I think that that is a fascinating argument and a very narrow-minded argument uh, but we'll see what happens in the days and weeks and months to go in Wisconsin if you live in the state of Wisconsin there is a great fight and battle ahead it will be a battle state but the good news is this Planned Parenthood abortion clinics will no longer take abortion appointments in their state moving forward from June 25th on just days away now while Planned Parenthood is arranging for women in Wisconsin who would like help in accessing abortion Planned Parenthood is helping to reach out to neighboring states such as Planned Parenthoods in the states of Illinois and Minnesota which are very pro-abortion in the states that have laws that will uh, take effect and be functioning as pro-abortion states in the days and weeks to come until either a law is changed in those states uh, but in Illinois Illinois is one of those states over the last few years in anticipation of Roe versus Wade being overturned they've really given unfettered access to abortion in that state all the way up to birth even going so far as to deregulate who would even perform abortions not even requiring things such as medical licensing for an abortion to be performed this is how radically pro-abortion that state is and in fact in just a couple minutes I want to talk about uh, an argument that people often make who some people who say that they want abortion to be safe legal and rare well it's interesting because the pro-abortion movement used to make that argu argument. They no longer make that argument. But what's interesting is that no one in the pro-abortion movement believes in keeping abortion safe. And I'll show you how the pro-abortion laws and the pro-abortion states that are going into effect have actually eliminated anything that could possibly regulate abortion to try and have any level of medical uh, integrity and medical safety for women even though no matter what abortion is no, never safe or healthy or okay for women but back to Wisconsin while uh, Planned Parenthood is arranging 
for women to go out of state if they'd like to. What's really important that we remember, you could have that bleak attitude and say, oh, well, they're still helping women to get access to abortion in other states. But remember, not all women will go to another state for an abortion. That requires funding. That requires additional time. But one of the really important things to realize is that going out of state for an abortion also means that a woman is being delayed in having an abortion. And the longer a woman stays pregnant, the more likely she is to keep her baby. It's a very important thing to know in the pro-life movement, encouraging women who are pro-abortion to wait. Uh, The simplest thing, if you know someone who's pregnant and considering an abortion or who might be considered abortion vulnerable, Encourage them to go to the doctor to have that ultrasound, to hear the baby's heartbeat, to see the baby. We have statistics that show coming out of our crisis pregnancy centers that 7 out of 10 women who were abortion vulnerable actually choose life for their children when they see the ultrasound and hear that baby in the womb and that heart beating. And so with encouraging someone to go and receive a medical checkup that continues to give time as well so that that decision for abortion is kicked further down the road in that timeline and gives a mom a longer time to bond with her baby and really think through that decision. Now, something that I think is really important to bring up is that the bottom line is, is that what's happening in Wisconsin shows something very important. And that is that where pro-life laws exist, babies' lives are saved. Yes, sure, a woman can go out of state, but she's not as likely to do so. Where access to abortion decreases, abortion numbers decrease. Babies are saved. Women are saved from the horror of abortion. Now, eventually, with time, with pro-life laws in various states being a norm, eventually this influences behavior sexual behavior because suddenly the consequence and fear of the return of motherhood and fatherhood is there. Now people think that this is the potential of motherhood and fatherhood but as you and I know if someone is pregnant they're already a mother and a father. Now a really fascinating study that came out a few years ago uh, is known as the turnaway study. There's a whole book on it uh, following the stories of a handful of women who over the course of 10 years this pro-abortion advocate wanted to study and see what happened when women were denied access to abortion. What was the outcome for them when in their eyes they were forced to carry these babies to term and forced to have these babies. So what she did is she went to states that had various pro-life laws and where women were literally turned away from having their abortion because either they were too far along or the state had a law uh, preventing preventing that abortion at that stage. And I mentioned that a woman might be too far along because just because uh, abortion might be legal all the way through, let's say, nine months of a woman's pregnancy, not all states have physicians who are willing to perform late-term abortions. So a woman may show up who's 30 weeks pregnant, uh, but she might be turned away because there isn't an abortionist in the area that performs a abortion on a woman who's that far along. So this pro-abortion turnaway study that followed the lives of these women for 10 years was really fascinating. 
Now, the goal and the hope of this pro-abortion advocate was to show, look at how uh, miserable women are who are denied access to abortion. But was really fascinating. And I remember listening to the NPR study of this woman sharing the findings of her study, known as the Turnaway Study, was that 96 out of 100 women were glad they had their babies. And the further away from trying to have that abortion they got, the happier they were. And I thought that that was so fascinating because the reality is, is that they were glad to have their babies, even though they were denied access to abortion. There's this idea permeating in the culture that women are, when women are forced to carry to term, when women are first forced to quote unquote, give birth or have a child, that this is damaging to a woman. But the reality is, is that these women are glad for those decisions and in the end are grateful. Now, what the turnaway study tries to do to skew this is it tries to say, well, these women are still experiencing anxiety and depression. And sometimes, yes, at higher rates than women who always wanted their children and were never considering an abortion. But we have to remember, it's not the abortion denial or the attempted abortion that leads a woman to have an increase in anxiety, depression, and postpartum depression, but it's often circumstances that a woman finds herself in, that many women who are seeking out an abortion are seeking out an abortion because she finds her circumstances to be less than ideal and conducive for having a child. So it's more natural for her to have a little bit more difficult of a time in those postpartum years with anxiety and depression and so forth, because maybe she doesn't have the right support system. Maybe she's not married. And so I think that these are important pieces to put together that while, yes, women who were turned away from having access to abortion experience perhaps a higher rate of some of um, their individual experience as human being with depression, anxiety, and postpartum, at the end of the day, 96 out of 100 women were glad they kept their babies. The reality is, is that I had a young person ask me this today during the program. She said, you know, a lot of people will argue that, well, when you force women to give birth and have babies, well, they, some women can experience a severe postpartum depression. That is very true. Postpartum depression is a very serious thing that some women experience. But postpartum depression is one treatable and two, it's a season. But when a woman goes through with an abortion, that abortion, the aftermath of the abortion will last with her a lifetime. That anxiety, depression, uh, higher tendency to suicidality, higher tendency towards substance abuse, and all of the fallout both psychologically as well as physically that occurs from abortion is there. But when a woman carries her baby to term and has her baby and yes can experience postpartum depression, postpartum depression is a season. Postpartum depression is something that can also be treated. And by the way, can I just speak for a moment? Anyone who uh, has postpartum depression knows someone who has postpartum depression. One of the reasons why I love our NAPRO physicians and we I also often have our NAPRO physicians here, they specialize in women's health care, especially centering around women's fertility. And you don't have to be trying to get pregnant or avoid pregnancy uh, to see one of these specialists, but they also help in doing one thing and that is treating postpartum depression. And what has been found to be extremely effective because postpartum depression is often centered around women's hormones and that drop off and change that occurs for women is that by 
being given progesterone during those postpartum days and months when a woman's experiencing postpartum depression, it can actually completely eliminate that postpartum depression. Also, some women who experience postpartum depression are having to learn how to bond and interact with a child. And sometimes postpartum depression can be as significant as people spending time leaning in, helping out with food, with stress, with helping mom to get enough sleep, but also helping mom to bond with this new baby she has that can, for some, be more challenging than for others. And so how do we help treat postpartum depression? Just like we should be helping treat these women who are abortion vulnerable and they should be coming into our arms with friendship, community, with mentorship, and with sound medical treatment. Not saying that a woman should have an abortion because she will experience postpartum depression. That is a season and that is treatable. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray. I'm so excited in just a moment to have you join me uh, in hearing this young woman who's going to join us sharing about her experience as a young high school student heading into her junior year and the culture we live in. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I have a very special guest joining me today. We're at the Vox Vitae Catholic Leadership Program here in Southern California with 100 youth who are on fire to learn the truth of what the church teaches about their faith, pro-life issues, and some of the most controversial topics that young people face today from the LGBTQ ideologies to abortion. I was talking to them today. I'm one of the speakers here. And I was talking to them about how they were chosen to live now at this point in history. And as crazy as things may seem in the world, This was the time God ordained, if you're a parent, you to be a parent today. If you're a youth, for you to be a youth today. And while things are challenging, it's an exciting time to be Catholic. And so the special treat today here on Trending is I have one of the youth from this program with me today. She is a junior in high school. Her name's Gianna. And we are going to be talking about the culture that young people face in our world today. And it is such a joy to be with you. You're one of the teen leaders helping with the program. How many years have you been involved in Vox Vitae? So I actually um, did it a little bit different than everybody else. I started Last year was my first year of camp. This is my second year leading. I was never actually a camper, but I worked with Catherine Contreras um, on just being outside Planned Parenthood. The founder of Vox Vitae. Yeah. Um, I, outside of Planned Parenthood and with my school's pro-life club, um, and she asked me to be a leader last year. So, yeah. So I've been there for two years. Excellent. So you've been involved in the pro-life movement. I've grown up. Catholic and involved and around pro-life work. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the pulse of the culture. I was asking you a little earlier about what it's like for you, everything from social media to the debate centering around abortion today and what you're experiencing in your peer group. And you have a unique situation that I think speaks volumes to the benefit of 
where you're currently at in life. Tell us a little bit about how you see what's happening in the world today. Yeah, so I am very lucky to go to a very good Catholic school and um, to be surrounded by people who love me and have very similar views to me and are amazing Catholics and amazing role models for me. I, um, however, I am not in any way oblivious to what is happening in our world right now. And while Jesus is blessing us in many ways, there's also great evils that are going on. And um, I'm doing my best to fight that from where I am right now and going through high school. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. So you're very blessed to be in a unique situation. You know what's going on. You understand the crisis uh, with like the transgender ideology, the LGBTQ, all of that, uh, the debate, the intense debate circling around abortion. But you're in a special place because you go to a very, very good Catholic school, which again, there are a lot of Catholic schools out there, but not all of them as firmly teach the faith and morality. We were just talking a few minutes ago and you were saying every single one of your courses for school religion and theology is incorporated into every single topic and so you're in a unique place that your peers are people who agree with you on these pro-life issues and are actually quite well formed on them as well yes yeah it's um it's a very unique opportunity um for me and my peers we have amazing conversations that i wouldn't be able to have if i went to a public school or even a less catholic school um So, yeah, I'm very lucky. I'm curious your thoughts on social media. What is it like on social media today? I know many people experience um, a lot of uh, pressure and whether it be from clothing, the types of photos that are being posted, debates, bullying. What has been your experience of social media? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I do not have social media platforms. Um, Oh, interesting. My parents set that rule and for a while I disagreed with them but um I have come to realize that and I've seen it in other people's lives it is something especially as um our minds are forming as teenagers that it we don't need the extra distraction of um what how many likes am I going to get on this post or what should I post next constantly thinking about the next thing that oh this is Instagram worthy or oh I should do this this dance for TikTok whatever whatever it may be um I would much rather focus on the my the people that are here with me and um and the conversations I have with them in real life and I have experienced um not myself but i have witnessed um some pretty awful things happening on not just like instagram tiktok twitter whatever it is even on email can you give some examples of what you've seen your peers going through yeah so when what i've seen happen even um in people i know in real life i've seen there's a barrier that is what may seem to be um like the minimum of decency of what you say to an another human being i've seen that just disappear a barrier road and so they say things they wouldn't normally say exactly 
Yeah. So can you give kind of an example? Yeah. So I know this person and I can tell that he is struggling and I um, have great sympathy for him, but there is definitely, he loves to argue online and he has argued with me and just in person not in person okay via email yeah via um email uh hangouts is usually what it's on he will just argue and try to pick fights and and all these things and i just have learned not to engage over time i learned not to engage but it has um it can it's hard to see people go through that because even if receiving that it's not as bad I, I can tell that he's struggling so I so it sounds like his inhibitions are gone when picking debates it sounds like because they're debates right uh, debates with you on a form of social media which in a sense email is kind of a form of social media although different um, that he's saying things he wouldn't normally say and so you're trying to make sure you don't engage with him in that type of setting yeah and I think that's very um, common with a lot of people and that's how like online bullying is it's there's no oh this is a human I'm talking to because you can't see them there's in a lot of cases where people have been hurt or struggling or whatever the case may be and they channel that onto online and just are hurting other people in the process it's a dehumanization exactly yeah there's this uh as you mentioned before, this wall, this barrier, these inhibitions are gone and suddenly people are interacting in a way that isn't human. Hey, I Props to you because that's something that you see at such a young age. And I know you mentioned that your parents didn't allow you to have social media. You kind of rebelled against that at first, but now you're glad. And now it's by choice. Yes, a parental rule, but by choice and you appreciate that. But you've still been able to see because of that, the difference between how people communicate online versus face-to-face and you prefer face-to-face communication. Yes, 100%. I am very much an in-person. <laughs> I prefer that. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Trending with Timurai here on Relevant Radio. We're broadcasting live from St. Edward's Retreat Center in Wrightwood, California, and we are working through the Vox Vitae Catholic Leadership Training Program for young people. You are headed into your junior year of high school, Gianna, and I'm curious to hear um, how you're grateful for your unique experience because you're saying that because you go to a really good Catholic school, that your peers want to be there, they care about their faith, they have the same perspectives on the true teaching of the church with regard to morality, about sexuality, abortion, all of it, that you are blessed to be with this peer group. Can you talk about that, how that has made things easier for you as you're preparing to go out into the world uh, and confront important topics, even such as a pro-life topic that you do uh, address in your pro-life work? Yeah, so I have been pro-life my whole life and one of the things that my school has done for me is through our pro-life club I have been able to take my activism to the next level and through that I've been outside Planned Parenthood and I have done stood over freeway overpasses and held signs and I have talked to women and it has given me uh, a very unique opportunity to really live out what I am called to do in 
at the age that I am right now, I'm not sure about the future, but um, I have always felt a very strong connection to pro-life. Um, one of the reasons for that is my mom had a miscarriage right before me, and my older brother, I believe, I've had a very strong connection to him, and I kind of, he's always guided me, and his, the thought of him, like, what it would be like if he were alive, what is, has driven me to, like, he didn't have a choice, and neither do all the babies that are being aborted, and I, I can't stand that. It's, it's so awful, and so he has made me want to fight for it, because even though we didn't have control over that situation, there are things we can do to help it prevent it in the future. And my school has really given me a chance to blossom in that and really live out that vocation. That pro-life conviction that you have had because of the experience of your mom having a miscarriage before you. And so you've had this pro-life conviction, it sounds like, uh, but being around peers who have the same views, you've been able to have positive peer influence rather than peer pressure. Yeah, it's it's really, I'm very lucky. Peer pressure is something that is um, very, can be very, very strong in an influence. And um, I'd like to think that I <laughs> hopefully would not be um, affected very much by it, but I was lucky not to have to deal with that too much. I have dealt with it a few times before, but not um, so awful that some some girls who are pressured to have abortions have it. It's, it's um, yeah, it's awful. You haven't experienced peer pressure at the level that is more common in society because of the environment that you're in. I know a lot of p- parents think that by sending their child, whether it be to a homeschooling situation or to a Catholic school that uh, they might view as narrow-minded and more exclusive in what they teach, uh, that they're putting their children in a bubble and that they're not exposing their children to the real world. As someone who's in high school, who also doesn't have social media, both because you're not allowed, but also now by choice, what do you think about that argument that some parents will make? Yeah, I have heard that a lot. Um, it's a bubble and it's, you can't get out of it. And there's, once you, once you do get out of it, it's so awful because you're not prepared. And, um, that is not my experience. I have, there is a safety that is in a good community like I have, and it is, it forms you and prepares you for everything that you're going to face and my school has taught me a lot about the things that I'm going to face my teachers especially I have amazing teachers and I never have felt like oh I'm not prepared for anything the world is going to throw at me I and I haven't stayed in that bubble. I have gone out and I do pro-life work and I do other th- other things. And it there's not the... 
I want to call it a myth. Maybe it's true for some people, but it's not my experience that there's a, it's so drastic outside and that you're not going to be prepared for anything. The reality is that you've had exposure to a broader perspective than your own and you have actually been able as someone who's barely going into your junior year of high school, you've actually been able to go to minister and help people who are dealing with things such as an abortion, a crisis pregnancy situation. Yeah, it's um, been a life-changing experience for me and I have not had the opportunity to know that my work has succeeded yet. I know people who have been working for a long longer than me that have that that have had that opportunity like you have talked about in some of your talks but even though I haven't had that I have a comfort because even if it wasn't that there was a there was a life that was absolutely saved and I know that for a fact I made a difference and I have made a difference and that is and I'm so glad that I have chosen to be where I am today and I've and I've worked for it and I have and it's not always easy to go out there. Sometimes, Some days you're like, well, yeah, no, I don't feel like it today. Or I'm tired. I want to go home after school. But um, just going and standing out of Planned Parenthood and every time I talk to a woman and there is a slightly positive response, it's 10,000 times more rewarding than going home and taking a nap. Or going on social media or watching a movie or whatever it might be. And you just spoke to something that I think is so important. Sometimes people don't continue to do something because they don't see the reward from it. So, for example, you mentioned you know, you've done a lot of work in front of the abortion clinics, praying and um, sidewalk counseling. And you haven't seen firsthand where someone said, oh, yes, I'm keeping my baby. Uh, but I want to remind you, because I've seen this so many times, or years later, a year later, someone will come by and they'll say, oh, because... People were out here a year ago. I drove by and didn't go into the clinic for my abortion. Uh, and that's the baby sitting in my backseat. I remember one year, we'd go year after year uh, down to the pier in Laguna Beach. And every summer we'd go and we'd have these pro-life signs and we'd teach people about fetal development. And one year, this car pulls over to the side and it's a really busy, busy road. Like they really shouldn't have pulled over. And guy comes jumping out of his car and comes marching up toward me. Oh dear, de-escalate, de-escalate, de-escalate. And he said, were you here last year? And I said, yes, I was here. Our group was here last year. And he said, well, I want you to look in my back seat. And we look in the back seat and there's a little baby in the back seat. And he said, we were scheduled to have an abortion and we drove past your signs last year. We've since gotten married. That's my wife in the car. And that's our child that we otherwise would have aborted just some people who drove by. And so I share that with you because you have no idea the lives that you've saved or the people who were, maybe it's people who were okay with abortion, but because they saw you out there, your passion, especially as such a young person, their conviction to become pro-life has transformed. And that pro-life position that someone has now developed could either save a future life that they would have otherwise possibly taken or has created a pro-life voice that they will now influence others just from seeing your passion and your yes. So I want to encourage you as you continue to do your pro-life work, we don't always see the benefits and the rewards firsthand, but knowing that you're doing what's right, as you said, is far more rewarding than, like you said, going home and taking a nap or whatever else you might do. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I just, I think that is very, very important to remember. And sometimes I forget it as well, but 
you just have to keep reminding yourself that you know you're doing God's work and if you keep trying it it's gonna it's gonna pay off whether it's here on earth you get to see your work paying paying off or if it's merit in heaven it is so so important so yeah i'll be right back here on trending with tim maria it's been gianna thank you so much for your time and for your voice and your passion for life and for your faith it's inspiring for me to hear and see and i imagine anyone who hears you as well so please pray for gianna and all of the incredible young people today at the vox vitae catholic pro-life training program We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. What is gentleness? Did you know that it's one of the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit? So it's an absolute gift of grace that we can receive from God. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Before we do, I want to talk about what would so-called safe abortion look like? Not that there's anything, any such thing as safe abortion, but often uh, it used to be you'd hear pro-abortion advocates say that we want to see abortion be safe, legal, and rare, which is why we keep access to abortion as an option. Today, the pro-abortion movement is all about absolute unfettered access to abortion. But I do find it interesting because I think the majority of Americans who are pro-abortion would like abortion to be quote-unquote safe. But the wider pro-abortion argument, or should I say pro-abortion movement, doesn't believe in this. So just imagine for a second that we did have some safety regulations on abortion. We know it's not safe because it kills a baby and harms a woman both medically but also psychologically and spiritually as well. But at least think for a moment, and I think this is important, that there should and would be standards on abortion. But the pro-abortion movement, abortion itself, is not regulated and is not expected to be upheld to the same level of medical expectations and regulations as the rest of the medical field is. Why? Because abortion isn't a medicine. And I think that that's why we've allowed this ongoing exception for abortion not having to meet basic standards, such as the laws that came out of Texas a few years ago. I think it was Whole Woman's Health versus, I'm not remembering right now off the top of my head, but this court case that went all the way to the Supreme Court where all the abortion clinics were going to close in Texas. Guess what they didn't? Because Planned Parenthood and the abortion movement petitioned this. The case went to the to the Supreme Court and what they were petitioning against or requesting the court to intervene in was that all the abortion clinics were going to close because they needed to meet basic medical standards like an a ambulance having uh, admitting privileges at a hospital nearby if something went wrong they had a quick relationship to transfer a woman uh, that they could meet basic ambulatory regular regulations such as a gurney being able to fit through the halls of the and through the doorways of the abortion clinic. They couldn't even meet these basic medical standards for safety and care and transportation. They were all going to close but because this would be considered an undue burden to women to have all these abortion clinics closed, guess what? They didn't and they weren't required to uphold these basic medical standards for good health care for women. Well, what would safe abortion look like if if we somehow tried to have proper regulations? Well, number one, a so-called physician performing an abortion 
would need to have a medical license. Well, places such as in the state of Indiana, or sorry, not Indiana, um, Indiana actually opened an abortion clinic where an abortionist didn't even have the medical license to be practicing. This was a few years ago in South Bend. But in the state of Illinois, right next door, they are one of the most radically pro-abortion states. It's written into their state constitution, unfettered access to abortion, and you don't even have to be a licensed physician to perform those abortions. They've so deregulated it because it's all about abortion. But that's not quote-unquote, a safe procedure for women when you don't have standards medically, when you don't have well-trained doctors. Another thing that abortion should always include would be pelvic and abdominal exams before the abortion is performed because if these and when these aren't done, this can be detrimental to the woman's health and body and even life-ending. Yet no one talks about this because also in the United States we're not required to report and we don't report if a woman dies and the cause is abortion. We actually don't report and include that type of information. It's just abortion. Again, medical standards and expectations around abortion are completely thrown out the door. Also, if we wanted safe abortions for women, we would be doing STD and STI testing before a woman goes through with an abortion. Why? Because when a woman has an STD or has an STI and sharp and various instruments are being used through a woman's reproductive tract, it can actually drag and spread those sexually transmitted diseases all through a woman's reproductive tract, spreading that sexually transmitted disease and actually increasing the damage and even the potential of everything from scar tissue to future infertility among other medical fallouts that occur from this. But these are not basic medical standards that are being help, upheld in the abortion movement. A woman isn't being tested for STDs and STIs before having that abortion. This is why obviously the pro-abortion movement does not believe in safe abortion and even people who say, you know, I believe that, you know, abortion should be rare, but it should be safe and legal. They're not actually advocating for safe abortion because if they were, they would be encouraging some of these basic medical standards that would help to keep women safe and healthy. If abortion was a medically necessary procedure, for the health and life of both parties, being the baby and the child, then we would see these standards upheld. But abortion has nothing to do with health. Abortion treats something normal and natural and good, such as pregnancy, as if it's a disease worth combating and attacking. A baby isn't a cancer. A baby's a new distinct human life. And a woman should not be in the name of abortion have medical treatment that is so damaging to her bodies, but that this is acceptable in the name of abortion, in the name of access. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. I want to talk about our last of the 12 fruits in our series on the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit, and that is gentleness. Gentleness is something that I've actually prayed for since I was in high school, and I remember first learning what the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit are. It was actually gentleness and kindness that I'd pray for because I kind of felt that I had a capacity to be rather harsh. Now, when we talk about gentleness, I often think first and foremost as someone who personifies gentleness, that would be a mother, and in particular, the Blessed Virgin Mother Mary, the Mother of God. Now, what is gentleness? Uh, Gentleness is also referred to as meekness, mildness, even tenderness. St. Thomas Aquinas 
in the Summa comments on gentleness being the virtue that moderates anger with right reason, a form of restraint or moderation, and a part of the virtue of temperance. So this idea of we're tempering our behavior. And gentleness, again, is something that I prayed for for many years. I pray, Lord, please continue to give me this virtue because I, I do think I have the capacity and potential and even often act uh, as someone who can be very harsh. And many of us have this. And I think it's interesting because as St. Thomas Aquinas says, it's a virtue that moderates anger and often harshness can come with anger. Uh, but when I think of gentleness, I think of a gentle, tender, kind mother. And I think about how Our Lady personifies these virtues. And something I really pray for for myself and now for my daughter is that God grants us the graces that he bestowed upon Our Lady. Who there's that beautiful song where we sing about Our Lady and a line in the song is gentle woman. And I love those words because Our Lady, we know of her gentleness even by the humility in the few moments of words that she speaks in all of sacred scripture. Now, one thing I'd like to talk about as well is where Jesus Christ actually talks about gentleness. One example that is actually given for Jesus referring to gentleness without actually using the word is when he laments the current generation that he sees before him. We see this in Matthew chapter 23. Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. So what Jesus is doing here is he's actually giving us what is often referred to as an example of gentleness. And notice he uses that in a maternal way. A hen who gathers her chicks, bringing them and drawing them gently and lovingly and protectively under her wings. But he says, look, you're not even willing to receive this gentleness. I couldn't even bestow that gentleness on you. I couldn't even treat you like my children because you were ones that have been so harsh. You've killed the prophets. You've sent those who I've sent to save you and to be gentle and loving toward you. And so Christ is showing us how our harshness can prevent his gentleness and mercy from intervening and saving us. And again, that model of motherhood in children is that example we see of gentleness. Now, one time where Jesus Christ actually does talk about specifically gentleness is a passage that I hope many of us remember and turn back to over and over again because they truly are words of comfort and encouragement. This is in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, where Jesus Christ says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is a yoke? A yoke is that thing that the oxen would wear where the they are side by side, carrying a load, dragging something, right? And that yoke is what helps keep them together and everything so that they can carry that load and move forward. Well, notice they're side by side. So Jesus Christ is saying, my yoke is gentle. Uh, it's easy. My burden is light. I am gentle. And so what we see is that even when God allows us to carry things that are seemingly heavy through his aid, 
He is gentle. He makes the situation something that is doable. God himself is gentle in his care and his guidance for us. This is fatherly as well. And sometimes I think people think that gentleness, kindness, goodness, some of these virtues are feminine characteristics. But the reality is virtue in and of itself is to live and act and breathe with the instincts and functions of God. And this is why these virtues are so important that we're praying for them. And this is why we've done this series on the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. If you missed any of it, we'll be compiling it all together as a podcast in the days to come. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast at relevantradio.com forward slash trending or catch your podcast wherever you love to listen. We are there, relevantradio.com forward slash trending. And be sure to follow me on social media. I love to take your questions and hear what topics are on your mind that you would like to discuss here on Trending. Coming up next is a family rosary across America.